Blog Talk Radio. Radio, and this is Patty Holstrand, and it is Tuesday, and of course, it's the 6th for those of you who don't know, August, can you believe it already? And we're here live, as we usually are. <laughs> I want to let you know that we have a special guest on today, David Coy, and we'll be talking to him in a few minutes, I think he's on the phone now, but hang on, I've got a couple people to shout out for. They'd be disappointed if I didn't do that because they're just stalkers. They're waiting for me to talk about them. <laughs> uh, one of them is Christopher. He's uh, He lives in Malaysia and he's trying to get to Finland. He's working on a crowdfunding project right now, as so many uh, good people are right now. But he's trying to get to Finland to work. He's got a friend, a friend who wants to start a business, but he can't. Obviously, he can't do that until he actually gets to Finland, and it, it costs money to get from one country to another. So he needs, you know, your usual visas, your, uh, you know, all your shots, and you know, your pedigree, <laughs> all the stuff you need to do in order to move from one country to another. So if you can, can help him at all, that'd be great. He's in ucaring.com, and his his project is called To Finland or Bus. I gave him that on. So you should call it two thin letter bus, and he loved it and took it. So I'm gonna give you that little information here. As soon as I get my extra copy and paste to work right. <laughs> ah, I don't know about you. I've been having problems with copy and paste lately. So there's that one, and then of course you got my friends right here in Arizona that we like to talk about. They've got a, a little project called Locker 13. It's not that it's a little project. It's a huge bit, uh, uh, movie that uh, they're putting together. It's it's uh, kind of like the Red Violin, where it's got like uh, multi, multi-different stories all attached to an item, which in this particular case is Locker 13. They're also on Kickstarter right now. Kickstarter... Uh, and, of course, under all you need to do is type in Locker 13 and you'll find them. Every little bit helps. And with them, they've got some really great prizes if you help them out. You guys really need to take a look at this. They've got some really good names uh, as far as actors and actresses in this one. And, of course, the, the cool stuff that you can get for for you know putting some money down, including getting your name on the credits. So, hey, there you go. If you always want to be in a movie... There you go. <laughs> so, there you go. We're going to talk about uh, selection. Natural selection. And walking on the edge of plausibility with David. David Coy. He's got a really interesting imagination. 
got some you know, science fiction. He's got some science ideas, and we're going to talk to him right now about his book. David, are you there? I am. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Now, I don't know where, you, where you're calling from. I'm up in Oregon. Oh, okay. I'm up in western Oregon, yeah. Okay. Yep. I, I'm in Arizona, so uh, we, we had Obama here today, so uh, needless to say all the roads around the airport are a mess. <laughs> I bet. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, you're up in Oregon. It's, it's just a beautiful country up there. Yes, I'm originally from Southern California. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, could, I can see why you would uh, want to talk about dominant species then. You've got a lot of a lot of interesting animals up there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, there certainly are. Certainly are a bunch of interesting animals up here. Yeah, probably but some the, things you haven't seen in California. Oh, that's very true. Absolutely. In fact, that was part of the reason why I moved up here was to get closer to the wildlife and you know nature that actually moves. And it was uh, it's been a little bit of a an adjustment, you know, in terms of the culture up here. But it is. You know, it's refreshing. Many, many really good reasons to live in in Oregon. And I read that you're definitely a science fiction fan, which of course most of my most of my listeners are. Uh, science fiction, fantasy, uh, are definitely their their interest, which is one reason why you're a good fit. Well, I've been I've been on a lifelong diet of science fiction. You know, I've just never never been able to give it up. I've seen so much, read so much. <laughs> so what I what I tried to do with this book is the is the you know rather it it becomes very very difficult to to find new ground you know for a science fiction mm-hmm. writer. It's a difficult yeah. difficult task you know to find those areas that haven't really been explored all that well. And uh, hopefully yeah. I've done that with this series. Yeah. I uh, talked recently to Jack Medevitt about that. Very subject. He was here in in Arizona, and I interviewed him on the radio here, but also had a chance to actually have breakfast with him one day. And we mm-hmm. talked about we talked that very fact of you know what he saw in the future of science fiction because uh, you know a lot of science fiction uh, readers and authors are all talking about you know where are we going, <laughs> where are we going from here because. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it used to be that when 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 authors wrote about science fiction, it was new, cutting and edge, you know, cutting edge ideas. Mm-hmm. And yeah, a lot of things are already already talked about, already been already yeah. been written about. Yeah, that's very very true. And it's it's you know it's not enough though to be cutting edge because science fiction any any uh, narrative has to be at the end of the day it has to be about the human experience in some measure can't be just something ethereal can't be uh, too conceptual although a lot of science fiction writers uh tend to stay in those conceptual areas without you know addressing the human human components and that's what makes writing interesting i think oh yeah in spite of the genre in spite of the genre it has to be about people and how people people react under you know usually some kind of duress or stress yeah, yeah, that's uh, my favorite author, uh, Ray Bradbury, said that. He said he didn't consider himself a science fiction writer. He considered himself a people writer. Right. And he wrote about people. So, 
mm-hmm. and if the story around it, around the people. Uh, most yeah. Uh, yeah, mine most certainly is about people. It uh, has a very strong human uh, component. Um, you know, people that are put into extraordinary circumstances and the changes that they have to have to facilitate within themselves, and uh, certainly psychologically in this, and in this case, um, even some physiological changes that have to take place that enable them to to stay human. In most cases, sometimes mm-hmm. they don't stay very human, become something else entirely. But huh. that, I think, is part of the part of the human experience. You know, is that change. I know that, uh, you know, reminds me a little bit about like, kind of like uh, Species. I'm not sure if you saw that one or, or read that book where, you know, yes, she, was, yeah. she was mutating into some other, you know, uh, into something else. I mean, she looked like us, but she definitely did wasn't us. Uh, definitely was not human. Uh, but she definitely wanted to, to wanted to breed the next evolution. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's a... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was a fascinating concept, a very fascinating idea. Those were those were genetic changes where she's uh, she's a blend, she's a kind of a crossover between human and something else. Uh, in my books, uh, the changes aren't down at the molecular, or genetic, or DNA level; they're up at the physiological level, where you know we're talking about changing, blending uh, muscle, bones, and and tissue into something else. Well, that's that's the that's the that's the stress these people are put under. And, yes. Uh, it, so, in other words, I mean, if you really think about it, some some of the science that is going on now, you know, your splicing of uh, DNA oh, and, yeah. and whatnot. Uh, I mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. And to me, it's to me, it's very unsettling. I just read an article about some Japanese scientists that are that are just months months away. You know, certainly years years away. Uh, at the outside, um, being able to, to grow human organs inside uh, animal hosts. Uh, this is this is this is technology that you know that will happen, and, and uh, to me, it's 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 just grisly. This is, you know, it becomes uh, becomes stock. It becomes replacement parts. There's no question that's what it will become, and at the expense of, you know, not sure what. Um, some people would argue, you know, at the expense of our, you know, our, our humanity or our morality to take, you know, to do those kinds of things to animals. But we're, you know, we've humans humans um, do that quite easily. It turns out. Yeah. 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 And uh, and I think that you know some science fiction writers have been writing about this very issue and the moral aspect of it, um, you know, for a while now. Uh, so now here we are seeing it happen. Yeah. Yeah. So do you uh, think... <laughs> certainly just the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Almost self-actualization, you know. Uh, almost. Mm-hmm. You know, here they are writing about it, and and somebody says, "Oh, wow, that's a brilliant idea. Let's try that." <laughs> yeah, that's an, yeah, that's an interesting idea. You know, how, how much how how much of art actually actually you know. Influences our direction. It's hard. It's hard to say. Yeah, I so. I do know some uh, some uh, astronauts, uh, astronauts who work for NASA still, and uh, and and they got their start. You know, they they became astronauts because of their love for for Star Trek. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and the and the mm-hmm. ideal. So here, you know, they become something now because of their influences of of what they read and what they've been watching uh, when they were younger. Mm-hmm. So it's not really that far to to think that you know some I scientists who are interested in in science fiction as well have been following science fiction as a means of of saying yes they they had the finger on the pulse of where what direction we should be going uh, or yeah, what direction yeah. are in our our minds anyway and so yeah. then they're taking that to the next level. Yeah, but then you have to work backwards from there, and you have to say, well, how much was how much was uh, Ray uh, was Roddenberry influenced by H.G. Wells or H.G. Wells by Jules Verne? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Because you know, so, it's so always it's, authors it's, in the past. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to say where those concepts, uh, where the concepts uh, that come out of technology and scientific thinking, and those that come out of uh, literature, for instance, where they merge. Where the overlaps are, it's hard to tell. Yeah, it is hard to tell. But uh, you know, these are things that we talk about at conventions. You know, um, I go to con- I've been going to fan conventions for oh, 23 years, and these are the kinds of questions. And of course, now our biggest question is, well, what's next for science fiction? Because you know, we we've seen we've seen the dawn of uh, of things that we've been reading about, and what we're seeing right now is uh, it's. <laughs> Is a more grisly uh, ending to our species. Mm. So we certainly don't want to go there this time. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. The the areas that are that are truly fresh are so far and few between now. It's very very difficult to you know to uh, to find them. Yeah, I agree. But you know, I, th- I think maybe it's time to you know uh, actually get out into the universe. Uh, move out into the universe like Star Trek had, had uh, you know, had the ideal, the ideal behind well, out. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a that's a good point. And I'm sure you know there's hope for there's hope for thinkers and you know and, and writers because you know, the universe is you know, far stranger than we think and certainly <laughs> more than we can imagine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I often say that the that truth is stranger than fiction. But sometimes fiction is really weird. <laughs> so where do you well, get your ideas exactly? Uh well I, I the the ideas for the the ideas of the the concepts in the book really come from um you know, principally, you know, I'd like to say that it came from you know the science science fiction that I've seen and the, that that I've read, but actually the 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 stronger, the more prominent uh, themes in the in the books come from just observation about about life and nature and the things that I've learned uh, uh, other than from science fiction and and horror. Although you know certainly there are, there are there are elements of of all of that in the books, horror in particular. I'm a, I'm a big horror fan. And I like uh, you know things that are things that are scary. But uh, the major themes in the book really come from observations about nature and the very nature of, of um, uh, you know, the world that we live in, you know, and how, how one species uh, 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 interacts and responds to another many, many so your times, first... uh, not, not so pleasantly, yeah. So your first book, The Dominant Species, was Volume 1, which is Natural Selection. Right. What are we going to kind of see without giving anything too too much away here? 
<laughs> well, if 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 you take if you take the ideas in the first uh, in the first book and then carry them out uh, a thousand years onto a different you know a different uh, different uh, different planet, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the the dynamics shift uh, considerably. Uh, instead of human beings being the prey uh, that they are in the first book, uh, that that role is seem without you know without uh, giving anything away is seemingly reversed in the second and third books. Hmm. But uh, yeah. So the second uh, book is Edge Effects. Correct. And when when is that one going? You planning on rolling that one out? Well, it's out now. It actually, the three uh, oh. I, I rolled all three out at the same time. Yeah, yeah, they're all available right now. <laughs> yeah, you're a crazy man. Yeah. <laughs> that was, well, yes, that was a big job. Yeah. It was a yes, big it job, is. You know. This is yeah. a big job. Yeah. That's why I say you're a crazy man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give. Uh, let me see your information because I found it now on Amazon. I'm gonna go ahead and and and. So for those who are listening, and I know you're there, can I see a couple of you? Sitting in there in the dark, you think you're getting away with that. And I always tell you, you I know who you are. Um, I'm, I'm leaving you information on David there, and that gives you right to the Amazon page where all of his works are. Which is, it was just really handy. <laughs> uh, so to be able to find that and the information to be able to pop it in there, so that way you can find out a little more about David and, and all his books that he's got going on here and it looks like you've got something else after that. You've got uh, yeah, combined edition which is, apparently you put all three of them together. Yeah, correct. Yeah, you can get them yeah. all three at one time if you want to buy the combined edition. There's a little savings there. There you go. And then Turn a Dark Phrase. Turn a Dark Phrase is a, is a collection of short stories I've put together over the years. I think okay. there are twelve in there now. Wow, that's even dead. That's good. So, if you guys are looking to, uh, you know, to try out his works, definitely, you know, get on there and find out more about his innovations. You got uh, Kindle edition, of course, and the good old paperback. So, you guys can find this information right on Amazon, and give you that one. And also, before you started. Before we started the show, I gave you guys David's uh, Facebook page. That way, you guys can find David's, uh, you know, and and you know, talk about this if you uh, <laughs> if you dare. If you yeah. dare. Right. If you dare. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, and now a good question here is that you know, I often ask authors. How much research went into your into you know compilation of your story? I would think you'd have to probably do quite a bit to to write what you wrote. Uh, well, yeah, there. Uh, I can't say that I went to the library and sat down and researched, but uh, like I mentioned, uh, a lot of the themes that went into the uh, that went into the book are really those that I've aggregated over you know concepts I've aggregated over the years and been aware of in one way or another and built them built them around uh, uh, the narrative in the story. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I have to I have to tell you it's uh, you know for those that for those that are you know interested in reading the work it's it's, it's definitely not for kids. There's there's uh, there 
there is a lot of violence in a, in in the story. I, I don't believe it's gratuitous, but there is there's strong language in the stories as well. It's definitely so said, not, it's definitely not. I PG. <laughs> yeah, I see that you you rated a PG thirteen, which which um, you know. I, I would not rate a PG thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not rated PG. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Okay. It's definitely not PG-13. Definitely. Well, you, definitely you know, you, you just got you got some kids interested now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <you're really> yeah. Cool. <laughs> Sci-fi horror and 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 is, is he's considering it not rated PG-13? That only makes him want to read it. <laughs> well, you know, um, kids get they they read a lot. Uh, what, the things that they're reading now, I think, is is darker. Uh, I have to agree with that 100%. That's very true. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, there wasn't that much. Um, you know, we didn't have uh, didn't have exposure to to the volume of, uh, of grisly literature that's out there today. Yeah, or television yeah, so, even. Yeah. yeah, yeah, or or television certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Movies, yeah. I think probably the worst I had was Stephen King, uh, and that's pretty bad in some of the cases. <laughs> His ideas get uh, uh, you know psych- psychologically, you know, he, he's just he's with a him. yeah he's a very <laughs> scary man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just talking to somebody about that last night, uh, and and that uh, some of the there's only one book that he's actually pulled off the shelf. Not sure if you know about that. He, he there's one book that he just said something happened um that was too close to what he actually wrote about and he said that he had to you know, he took back the rice and, and will never publish it again. And so it it does make you wonder, uh, you know, the idea that we we're talking about with uh, science fiction being too close to reality, uh, you know, tomorrow's reality. And when maybe you shouldn't write it. <laughs> Well, yeah, it, uh, it's certainly worth thinking about, but you know, things things have a way of evolving. You know, they just yeah, uh, yeah uh, come manifest on their own. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and at least you know you got some multiple ideas, and you know we got people who are thinking about you know the the things that you're writing about here, which is you know you're talking about. Uh, yeah, your story is really drawn is drawn a little bit into the horror, but I'm sure that you probably started nice and easy and went into something that was a little more horrific. Yeah. Um, does it does it come out on top? I mean, do, do, does humanity come out on top here? Well, you know, I uh, there's uh, in science fiction. There's you know, in terms of you know you know extra terrestrial visitation there's there's two camps this dichotomy that says well you know would would visitors from somewhere else be would they be friendly and would they be amenable to building partnerships or would they be exploitative and would they you know would they uh, think of us as ants and there's there's a there's real clear demarcation i think there are many many people's minds and Thinkers like uh, Neil Tyson and Stephen Hawking, H.G. Wells, belong to the camp that says, "Well, it's not not a question of whether or not they're going to be, you know, horrible. It's the question is how horrible will they be?" Uh, 
So I'm in so I'm in that camp too. I You're in that I camp. Think that, yeah. yeah, 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 I do because if you know the natural world tells us that when you have species running into each other, you know, there aren't all that many examples of partnerships being formed. Symbiosis really isn't uh isn't the uh, isn't the rule, it's the exception. Do you think that's because yeah. of the communication breakdown? Um, is that the, you know, the, I mean, obviously we're we're not going to be able to understand them, and they are not going to understand us. Uh, no, I think it's just a matter of one species of you know taking taking a you know position of higher survival survivability than the other. Which is why well, you're talking about dominant. So you're well, yeah. Dominant. Well, I'm talking. Yeah, yeah, you know, species, you know, we we, you know, we we exploit everything on the planet. There are, there are there are glowing examples to to the contrary, you know, where we you know, where where we where we tend tend to encourage the the survivability of some species, but for the most part, you know, we're we're pretty pretty uh, pretty damning on, on on the rest of the species on the planet. Yeah, you know, either yeah. either accidentally or 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 intentionally. You know, mm-hmm. and you know, it's 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 just what we do. Yeah. And, and I, you know, it is disgusting ways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and to think that another species is gonna come down here and, you know, share their secrets rather than just, you know, you know, use us for whatever I think is yeah, yeah, I think is I think is somewhat naive. But, you know, we could be wrong. We could be wrong. They could, they might want to protect us and make make us our you know, become their little buddies. Become their little buddies. You never know. <laughs> that's that's just that's, that's a whole different twisted thing there. <laughs> you know, you know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, maybe they'll just you know want to want to phone home if they get stranded. That kind of thing. Well, but I don't. No, I don't <laughs> well, you see, that's a nineteen eighties mentality uh, compared to uh, you know two thousand thirteen. Uh, and which is kind of funny, considering that you know, that was in the 1980s, I think we were a little, I think a little maybe a little more upbeat. Uh, yeah. That now we really kind of see uh, humans kind of for what they really are. Uh, yeah, we. Yeah, I agree with you that we. Uh, you know, there are species here that are leaving. They're gone from the planet because of what we've done and choices that we've made as a human society. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's very that's very true, and you know we don't we don't often make it um, you know consciously you know certainly as a group we don't as a species we don't make that those decisions uh, consciously but you know very very often on the more uh, granular level those those decisions are uh, quite deliberate and they have uh, wide ranging uh, impacts like these Japanese scientists we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. There's 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 really no telling where that will lead us, really. And and um, anyone with any imagination uh, who doesn't see that as a, that as a you know potentially very grisly, uh, abhorrent, uh, uh, egregious kind of uh, activity, it's not it's not thinking about it very thoroughly. I think. Hmm. But, uh, you know that that's just again that's just what we do as a species and it's uh, scary. Yeah, I agree. Sometimes I agree. So let's talk about your writing process, okay? When okay. when you sat when you sat down, I mean, because you took all you took three and you decided to put them out at the same time, 
So here's my here's my question: Is is did you did you sit down and write it uh, from the beginning to the end, and then realize, okay, I, I need to cut it into, into something a little more readable as far as being able to uh, you know not have such a you know eight hundred and some odd page book that nobody can read. But uh, to reduce it down and and then go through the process of you know uh, getting it in the format you wanted it in, or did you piecemeal it? Yeah, real good question. It's um, uh, I started the story with um, you know the intention of writing one uh, one story. Mm-hmm. Which it which it is it is it is one story in three parts. Uh, originally, it wasn't it wasn't actually divided into the three volumes that it is now, and that was you know partially just a marketing uh, you know marketing uh, uh, approach right. because frankly uh, you know two eleven hundred page uh, tomes are just eleven hundred pages. Wow. Yeah, they yeah. yeah they raise eyebrows. They definitely raise raise eyebrows, and, and you know there are notable exceptions to you know to you know success, you know writing such such big things. But I didn't think for a minute that I could sell any books whatsoever if it was in one big chunk of eleven hundred pages. Oh and yeah, like a, you know, <laughs> you know, and I'm like I'm like most most writers, you know, you, you know I have a hard time cutting. You know, I have I have cut. Mm-hmm. I do cut. I, you know try to keep it as, you know, crisp as I possibly can, but I am somewhat of a wordsmith and I like, you know, I like uh, lengthy descriptions. I found that um, readers of my books are, 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 um, are pretty much divided about whether or not they, they like those descriptions. I, I, I go into quite high detail uh, on occasion and those that like the detail love the writing at that level, and those that would rather have those those sections in shorthand, you know, can't stand it. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> uh, you know, you know, I like, but but that that's just my writing style. Uh, I like, you know, I like uh, I like beautiful writing, and 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 I and I and I think I've been fortunate enough to create some, you know, so, certainly some passages that, that are, and uh, but. You know, a lot of people, a lot of the younger generation in particular, now look at that writing and just say, "Geez, when you get to the point, you know." But you know, <laughs> 20, 30, 40 years ago, that wasn't the case. But now, uh, yeah, yeah, you, you know, I think the younger generation really wants uh, the tightest, shortest, briefest shorthand writing that they can get, so they can gulp down these concepts as fast as they can. And that, to me, yeah. is not a doesn't that's uh, not a very good writing style. I can't do it, so. I'm stuck with my own, you know, my own writing style. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, that's uh, that that is a that is a case. And so the question would be, if you're doing, if you put put it, you know, brought it down to to three, which I understand is is it's up to do because like where do where do I cut it? Where it's going to be kind of even number of pages, uh, and then on top of it, where do I cut it? It's going to make sense. Yeah, did you con- yeah. did you consider perhaps making it into even smaller pieces than that, like taking the whole volume and making it into five of them, or did you like the three uh, because of the trilogy thing? Well, I think you know I'd like it's it's not uh, certainly isn't arbitrary, but but I but I divided it into three pieces in order to preserve you know the 
uh, you know, the narrative from beginning to end. It, it's a it's a story of quite broad scope. It covers a thousand years in time, and wow. um, you know, you know, multiple multiple gen- generations. So it's, um, you know, I parsed it as just just into readable pieces, what I've considered to be reason, you know, reasonable pieces in terms of size. Hmm. So that's that's really how the how how that came about. But it but it truly is just one story. Right. In three volumes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting so. that yeah, you know, it's, it's always you know, I, I know a lot of uh readers who wanna know uh these are things they always ask. Um they always ask things like, Well, how do you write it? Do you do you write an outline first? Uh, you know, these are all to me dull questions, but you know, for some odd reason, uh, the readers really want to know these things. <laughs> they want to know how well, you did I, it. You know, <laughs> it's um, just they can place well, themselves there and do it themselves. Well, I had a I had a pretty good idea of where I wanted to go, but honestly, an outline I I, I don't see how a writer could could work from an outline. I mm-hmm. I just don't because. Um, you know, you know, a story in order to be really truly effective has to be character driven, and, and and no one can just dream up every aspect of your character at the start. No. And 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 so, especially the antagonists who drive the the action and the story. You know, no matter how well defined they are, you, you know, it's not simply. Uh, you know, you know, a matter of of uh, getting them on the page the first day, it can't can't happen. And they they do take on a life all their own. Any writer knows this, and and they they will change direction on you. You know, yeah. So it's it's, it's so so it's hard it's hard to know exactly, um, you know, how you're going to get there, other than a general sense of how to get there. Yeah. Uh, if that if that if that makes sense, and the the idea of an outline is just so. So uh, clinical, and, uh, and uh, uh, I don't know. It just it, it it just doesn't strike me as the way to, you know, to write creatively. But I'm sure there's yeah. some that do. You know, that yeah, do. I, there, there, I, I, I yeah. couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I kind of, you know, I kind of like my characters to wander a little bit, you know, and and to, mm-hmm. you know, to make the action, uh, you know, to do something that I hadn't anticipated a few pages prior. Um, you know, yeah, that's, that, that's, that, that's, that's the cool thing about finding things. Yeah, it's the cool thing yeah. about it's like kind of like talking to somebody new. If if you if I organize exactly what I'm going to ask you, then I can't leave myself open. I mean, I ask you some general questions, but honestly, we got to be able to move off of of that of this line of questioning because otherwise, when you say something, I'm not going to be able to take it. And run with it. So mm-hmm. it's like it's like the same thing as conversation. Is is you're going to see yeah. hear something and say, oh, in that case, you know what I'm hearing from you is this, and so then all of a sudden you're off on in some other tangent. Your characters do the same thing. Yes, they are. They're definitely the same the same thing. And I think though, and I think that the best writing, to, to my way of thinking, probably goes much like that, where you have an idea in the beginning. You have an idea for a character, and you, as that character comes to life, it, it, you know the action evolves, and the, and the story evolves. So that's certainly what I do. I don't write 
quickly. I'm a slow writer. Oh, jeez, I, I just it takes me forever. <laughs> so, so how long how long did it take you when you sat down and said, you know what, uh, I really want to write the, this story, and then started thinking about it and getting it on paper. Well, by the time yeah, by the time I got to where I where I where I thought it needed to be, and and the and the circle had, had come close, so to speak, it, it was um, it was three years. Okay. Yeah, it's about three years. Right? Yeah. Okay. And you probably yeah. thought about it years before that. You just didn't realize. Uh, well, yeah, I think <laughs> I, I think in a general sense, I you know, you know I had given it some kind of vague thought, but nothing nothing certainly enough to get started. Mm-hmm. Until, I, then, until I actually started uh, putting it together in the beginning. Yeah. Once you Both wrote the last yeah. line. Did you say okay now I now I need to really dig into this and maybe move some things around and uh, you know obviously uh, yeah, you yeah, set aside for a while. Yeah, <laughs> certainly that yeah that can happen uh, forever. You know, there's really no no end to that if you let it uh, if you let it uh, go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do have two more volumes planned. I, I hope to get the other uh, uh, the next volume done at the end of the year. It'll be volume ah. four, which is in, yeah. Okay. Uh and and then with any luck I'll have the fifth volume um a year after that. If all goes well. Well that explains the other question I have which is since you wrote these a while ago, uh why why make a big marketing push right now and this because you've got another book coming. Yes. Yes, and, and plus the story itself, uh, you know, I'm in uh, the end of the third book uh, leaves leaves me in a in a situation of just all kinds of possibilities that I just can't refuse. <laughs> you <know? laughs> Your characters are driving you crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's so much more. There's so much more that I can you know I can cover now that I've got uh, got, got through the first eleven hundred pages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some people say like that's just that's the entire series, and but you know. Um, I'd have to disagree with them. I mean, Terry Brooks, I mean, he, he has very large volumes of, of fantasy books. And he he had, uh, obviously, uh, you know, a trilogy in each set, you know, following Pacific characters in each set. Uh, but, you know, the, really there's an overall arc uh, to the story. And they're evolving as a species. And we just don't know about that. And then he started a whole other series that we... We didn't think he had anything to do with, and he turned around. He he said he didn't realize it either, but you know they got rid of fantasy, they got rid of technology, and and had magic to begin with, and then they turned around and had uh, got technology and magic kind of waned, and then they he turns around and it's a three sixty. <laughs> yep. And, who would have known when we first picked up this first first volume that that's what he was going to do? He didn't know that either. <laughs> yeah, well, that's yeah, that, and yeah, that's exactly the point. You know, you just you just never know where your writing's gonna take you. I you know, I don't. Um, I mean, if I could have if I could have covered the ground that I thought I needed to cover in half the space, I I would have done it. But I just didn't think I could. Honestly, I I, I just there were there were so many other things. So, so many other dimensions to to the characters and the environment and the you know the story that I just couldn't uh, can't can't, can't so, decide. 
Yeah. I see that you're writing some small works in between writing your bigger volume. Do you do that on a regular basis in order to stay fresh and, and obviously to you know keep your mind going with the fiction? Uh, no, not not recently. I've been I've been focused on that fourth volume uh, principally now. Uh, um, uh, there was a period after the first uh, near the completion of the first or of the third uh, the third book in the series that that uh, most of those short stories uh, uh, came about. I just got real, real fascinated with uh, the idea of, you know, putting, putting, uh, putting those together. Those, those were ideas that had been floating around for for, for quite some time, and I finally put them uh, down on paper. Okay. Okay. But to answer, you, no, no, to answer your question, I'm just focused on the fourth volume right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're, you know, you're definitely trying to get it done for Christmas, huh? I would like to get it done by Christmas. Okay. Uh, I'm hopeful, but it's you know I'm I, like I said I'm you know you know you know I'm not about rapid con- composition. I just I, I just can't do it. I'm slow as molasses. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but but I like the result. Most of my readers do too. So. Yeah. Well, you know, you're doing it because you love it, and and really, why should you hurry? Yeah, that's yeah. very true. Yeah. Of course, you left California, and you you moved up to Oregon, and it is yeah. a little slower up there. It is a lot slower up here, a lot slower. Yeah. I just had an occasion to visit again. I you know I lived there, I lived in Southern California for thirty years. I was in Long Beach for thirty years, mm. and uh, I went back down. I hadn't been down in six years, and I'm not sure how in the hell I forgot what the traffic was like down there, <laughs> <laughs> but I got. But I got in that traffic, and I thought, you know, this is just absolutely insane. And I guess it just goes to show you that you can get used to almost anything. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was an awful experience. But yeah, yeah, your point's well taken. There's it's a lot slower up here, a lot more relaxing. Well, I'm sure that helps to you know with the type of writing that you're working on. It does. Yeah, yeah, to be able to say, you know what, I don't have to hurry. Now I'm assuming that you do something else other than writing. Uh, right now, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not doing much of anything other than writing. That's it. Ah. No, okay, so, so you're yeah. what? Yeah. You're a lu- you're a lucky man. You're a lucky man. Well, have- well, I, well, maybe maybe luck is maybe luck has something to do with it. Okay. 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 So you're up in Oregon, which, of course, is, is a little bit cheaper up there to live, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. And the atmosphere so, is so much uh, more, more, you know, for my way of thinking, much more human up here, frankly. There are, there are things I still love about Southern California, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know it's, it's hard to beat some things about Southern California, but, you know, it's just an overall living experience, uh, Oregon, to me. Has been a lot nicer, a lot, a lot more favorable. Mm. Yeah. Um, I was rocking uh, when I was this putting up your information um, for the show. I was reading your "Walking on the Edge of Possibility." Uh, These little bit things that you had in your media kit, and oh. that's one thing we were talking about with the films, horror in particular. This is from your words. 
uh, who in particular with a twist, or even several of them, strategically placed seem to do better nowadays. And though not a substitute for good dramatic fundamentals, at least provide a satisfying respite in the form of a surprise or two along the way. Stanley Kubrick, Stanley Kubrick has said that it isn't enough for a scene to be real or believable. It has yeah, to be interesting. It has to be interesting. It has to be interesting. Exactly. <laughs> and exactly. and re- <laughs> I just I just you saw. Know, two- if it's not interesting, if it's not interesting, it's got no business <laughs> in front of and, your viewer or your reader. That's that's and that's he, my, he, my theory. He took it. He took ideas yeah. slowly, and he brought yeah. them in front of you. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he very much yeah. into character development. Uh huh. Yes, yes, he was, certainly. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, Stanley Kubrick is certainly, he's, he's probably my, my all-time favorite filmmaker. And, and every, you know, every scene he's ever put together is just, you can't, <laughs> you must watch it. <laughs> yeah. May be, there may not be a lot going on, but you're damn sure that something's going on. Yeah, you you're going like, away. okay. I don't want to look away because yeah. I know something. I'm going to miss something. <laughs> uh, I just recently saw 2001: yeah. Space Odyssey on the big screen again. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which, which since yeah. it came in '68, I was too small to do that the first time. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it it was definitely. I mean, obviously, well, you know, it's probably one of the slowest movies uh, ever made. But the things that they were all important piece scenes. They're all important parts. Um, I do agree that maybe they could have cut maybe a few a few minutes off of uh, the light scenes. You know, when when he was going through changes. You know, going through the before we find him in the in the room uh, aging, and then of course being reborn. Right. Um, but really, otherwise, you know, the thing is that he he stuck with two characters. Well, three, including the, the obviously the computer, which right. had a life as his own. Um, and so here you had three characters that were in, in suspension. You know, they they were in, they were asleep, and we never even met them. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, he's uh, you know that's a that to me is just a, it's 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 one of the most worthwhile things I've ever heard from from a from a from a creative mind that thing about um, about interest. You know, if 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 the thing is not interesting, if it doesn't hold your attention for some reason, you know, then it becomes useless. But but, jeez, um, he was such a master just creating scenes that were just uh, you know. Engaging, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and I think a lot of his other work was obviously a little, little more uh, critical. Well, I mean, for critically acclaimed, he he was better known for some of the other works that he did. But um, when it comes down to it, I think one of the things that he's going to be known for the longest time um, is going to be 2001. Uh, oh sure, yeah, that would sure, definitely be way up there. That's for sure. Yeah. The sheer scope of it, it, it just, mm-hmm. I, it's kind of like, what is, what are future generations going to say about his work, and which one are they going to say, man, that was, that was deep, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're going to say, 
I, I got a lot out of that as, as as you were talking about whole entire species here, you know, uh, like you're talking about, you know, and and he went from the caveman, you know, uh, learning that you know they can take a a bone and make it into a weapon or tool, right. and uh, <laughs> and and of course they say they have the longest time jump <laughs> in the history of cinema. Between yeah, you know, they're going from the from the they catch the monolith until they're it's all of a sudden we're in space travel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a fascinating idea. Yes, yeah, it is. and the time period that he was doing it in, um, and it really is. It this this is one thing that we talk about a lot now. Is, is you know what, two thousand and one, we didn't make it. No, we didn't make. It. No, we were way off. We're way off, yeah. uh, you know, or, or yeah. that word, you know, we weren't way off so much, but um, R.C. Clark considered, you know, the timing, and he yeah. thought, based on on the, you know, the where we were at the time, that we should be there by then, and we weren't, we're not, we're not, still not, yeah. um, and really, unless the private industry takes over, is we're not going to, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how uh, how we would do that kind of catch up. No. Yeah. Yeah, no. that's just it. You really can't catch up. There's, you know, you, we've already we already didn't make it where our Clark, Clark, you know, as a author, as a science fiction author, thought we should have been. Um, and yeah, you know, so whatever that might be, uh, I don't think we must have been ready as a species. <laughs> no. I agree. Which goes back to your ideas. See how that works. <laughs> nice. And, <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> and that, yeah, uh, it's just a scary possibility. Is what you're running about? And it's where we. Well, yeah, I think I think that the, you know, I. You know, honestly, I you know when I when I look up in the starry night sky, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know I don't um, you know it's 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 fascinating and it's mysterious and it's awe inspiring, but you know I can't help but shake that you know the, you know thing in the back of my mind that makes my hackles go up a little bit you know about just how you know how 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 strange the life forms might be in the universe and. Uh, like uh, like Stephen Hawking says, you know, mm. you know, it may not be such a good thing for us. Maybe no. we shouldn't be broadcasting like we are. You know, H. G. Wells thought the same thing. Neil Tyson thinks the same thing. There are other writers and thinkers that you know that look at the possibilities. It's quite frightening, and, and and not just not just frightening, but you know how frightening how frightening could they be? Yeah. Uh, Neil Dyson, he's I, I've I've turned turning on to him, man. He's he's got some he really just brings it down to level from for most people to understand if they if they try to. That's just it. They they've got to try to understand. Uh, and I really like how he, he brings it out, and he's he's humorous. Um, yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. To, to the point where he he here he gets along with people because he he really brings it down to like you know maybe we shouldn't be going out there and 
and uh, mm-hmm. broadcasting because who knows what we're going to get coming back mm-hmm. here. And are we ready for you it? No, we're not. Yeah. You never know who's going to answer. Yeah. For what? Yeah. So, and um, always, yeah. I... And he's always interesting. <laughs> he's always interesting. Yeah, I could I could sit there and and watch one one uh, YouTube video after another with him in it, um, and and then get off and then shake myself and like, man, I got to get away from this. <laughs> he he just uh, he makes you think too much, <laughs> which some people would say yeah, it's kind of dangerous when you start getting authors thinking, you know, writers thinking about uh, possibilities, and man, he sure sure does do that. Uh, and he, he, I think he's one of the more, of course, he's not only brilliant, but he's also really great with people talking, you know, um, puts it to the levels of understanding that a common man should be able to understand as well. Uh, not just the uh, higher-ups and the, you know, uh, the scientists talking to one scientist, you know. Uh, he's, he's telling all of us, hey, you know, this is where we're at. And if you don't like what we see, then we need to change it. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think we should do about your specific? You know, I know you have an idea. Your ideas are based on your natural selection and things. Too. How can we possibly, as a species, change? If you think we can, that's uh, a tough one. Uh, well, it's, <laughs> yeah, that is a, yeah, that's a really good. Well, uh, um, I, I, I don't think that we have the. Um, Right now, I don't think that we have the, for lack of a better way to put it, the right theology to lead us forward. Mm, I don't theology. think that I don't think that there's yeah I, I don't think that we have a theology that's able to guide us through some of the decisions and the you know the pivotal uh, crises that we that we need to negotiate in the future, short term. Now, and you, I, I'm assuming that when you say theology, you're not talking religion. We're talking about ideas of of. Um, uh, the theological ideas, more more philosophical uh, ideas. No, I actually, you know, I I want to bring it down. I, I, you know, I I don't want to go there. I I think of it more <laughs> in terms of a religion, actually, of a, okay. of a you know a set of you know a set of um, you know some guiding principles that we just don't have yet, that we're just not evolved yet. Uh, mm. To uh, you know, to either develop or, or 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 experience or live by. You know, we we're you know we're still quite um, you know, in spite of what we think, I don't think we're really very evolved, very evolved, evolved no. as a species. You know, you know, it's, you know, we could argue about that all day long. But I, you know, when you look at what we've done, we haven't been all that successful in terms of a species. Not really. Yeah, I think one one then, reason uh, why. You know, I think I, you know, I think we look around and we see the standard of living that a lot of the world has, and we think, oh, you know, like little Jack, Jack, Jack Horners, you know. Uh, but uh, what we've really done is uh, the thing that we've done best is procreate. We know how to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately, even that's not done right. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 it's not not just to have babies. You have to be actually, you know, to, you have an offspring. You need to actually train, you know, teach the offspring. Mm-hmm. And we're not doing that. Well, uh, we don't. We don't. You know, um, 
we're really a long ways away from any kind of a utopian existence on this planet. <laughs> we oh, wow, well, yeah. yeah we're not even sure. close. And, and, yeah, and there's no way that you can cut it, uh, that you know, that you can cut it or describe it otherwise. Mm-hmm. We're just not we're, we're we're just not even close. And no. in, in, in fact, we're heading you know we're on, we're on a downward spiral in terms of our, you know uh, uh, as a as a species on the planet uh, through nothing other than what we're doing to ourselves and the planet. Yeah. You, you know the, the you know those you know they those sound like old you know chestnuts, but but honestly, it's still true. It's as true today as it was uh, you know thirty years ago. People started to think about this in earnest. But um, yeah. Uh, you know now, now uh, you know, you know we're on the very, very, very cusp of sustainability, and I think a lot of people realize that. And, uh, you mm. can't apologize it away, and you can't argue it away. We're just not doing a very good job as a species. But I think, you know, if there's any hope at all, it's that what comes out of some major crisis that might happen that might might be, you know, a new set of principles that help guide us a little bit better. But honestly, I think it's going to take some kind of a Major, major reorganization, for lack of a better mm-hmm. way to put it. Yeah, uh, it, and, and so this brings it to the idea of the fact that you know you, things we see in science fiction right now is a is a decimation of of what we know to be true at this moment, and right. which is a reorganization is to be in a harshest sense. And that's, you know, you're yeah, yeah, in popular system short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately. And, and, <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's not like the world has, hasn't experienced, uh, you know, you know, some kind of apocalypse, uh, regional sure. apocalypse happens all the time in the last 60 years. You, you know, you have a regional apocalypse all over the place. You know, in, in 1918, we came very close to having a global, global one. You know, with uh, just simple, mm. simple influenza virus, but um, you know, our population continues, uh, you know, to grow, and our, you know, our demand for resources continues to grow, in spite of what you hear or, or, or might see. Uh, you know, a little soundbite here or there about to the contrary, it's just not so. We're, we're, we're not doing a very good job of uh, aligning ourselves with the resources that we have, and in some kind of a direction that, that that really is sustainable and balanced. We're just way out of whack. Still. Right. Right. And as long as we continue to look at our bottom line, mm-hmm. you know, for corporations and, and, and countries, because countries are now being being run it like a huge business, um, yeah. we're never going to get there. <laughs> well, you know, corporations... <laughs> You know, corporations are <laughs> the whole big bugaboo, isn't it? They're, you know, they're they're psychopathic. Uh, they have to be to survive. Uh, you know, you know, psychopathy is a is a survival mechanism, and, and corporations have all the characteristics. That's what they do. I mean, they you know they survive, but but that's just part part of the equation. You know, you know, I think it's uh, you, you know we just don't have each of us lacks. I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, those guiding precepts that you get through principally through through a theology of some kind, mm-hmm. some kind well, of shared faith, faith in faith in, and uh, I'm not talking about faith in. I'm talking about faith in um, 
the principles themselves rather than some entity mm-hmm. or some you know guy oh, guiding there you go. force. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. I, I got yeah, it. Yeah, I'm not talk- yeah, yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not talking about. <laughs> yeah, I um, faith. Faith takes many forms. It doesn't have to. You know, we 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 are. You know, we we use faith to embrace uh, uh, many aspects of our environment in our lives. But what's missing is we don't have a broader sense. Each of us a broader sense about you know our own sense and how we how we provide balance you know it's so, just, so here's a question i'm surprised that you know uh, we had a really great conversation by the way i think that um i enjoyed the conversation with you and i'm surprised that a few people that i know usually listen to the show have not called in and actually started yelling at me but <laughs> because they they don't think the same way um and they like to argue about, uh, you know, they they say, well, you know, we we can't hope to go to another planet or start, or start, you know, going out into the solar system unless we clean up our act here. Which, you know, I understand their point of view, but on the other hand, um, something solid has to happen. And I think that that you know, uh, we as a species need to perhaps move out into the solar system, which which really actually a natural progression of our species. But um, they don't think that we're tree huggers, and they think we need to clean up our out here first. How do you think about that? Well, I'm giving you all sorts of good. I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> think uh, I don't think it's a requirement in order for us. I don't think that clean, cleaning up our act is a requirement to, uh, you know, to to um, interstellar travel. In fact, um, the things. All the dynamism and the and the and the growth, you know, the unbridled growth and the uh, you know the technological advances that come out of um, you know our species continually clamoring for you know greater and greater shares of something we have already. All of that uh, could be uh, the driving force that you know that causes us to, to to acquire the technology that might be necessary. You know, you can't sit back and live in a utopian world. And also uh, be driven to, you know, to explore. I That's don't true. Think. You got to have a reason so, so, to move yeah, out there. Yeah, you have to, exactly. So you have to have a reason. So, so I don't think that the two are, uh, uh, you know, mutually exclusive. But mm, good, good uh, I think I think that we'll I think that we'll want you know if you know if we were to you know start exploring ourselves right now we're just going to take you know this. You know, faulty again. I use the word theology, but it, but it's a set of principles. We're going to take a faulty set of principles out there with us, I think. Mm. And you know, you know, we're going to wind up in the, much the same situation that we are now. Um, mm. You know, but well, which is probably you know, I, well, if you will think about it, that's part of what R.C.T. Clark was kind of saying mm-hmm. <laughs> that there has to be some higher order. Uh, or it, it, that's how he was putting it. But if, in your case, the theology, the higher theology that would would take us, you know, to uh, a, a different plane of existence. Which here he was showing that there, that uh, David was actually reincarnated into another life form. But um, I mean, there's so many things you could say about that particular movie and ideas. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, that's part of what it, I think it is in a, in, a, in a baser form. And since we were talking about natural selection and and uh, 
natural selection. I, I suppose that that uh, here picking David in uh, 2001, Space Odyssey, he happened to be just at the right place, uh, right time, or wrong place at the wrong time, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> he's just like, you're it. You're it. Because there's nobody yeah. else. I already killed everybody else off, and you're it. So... <laughs> Uh, and if we think 2001, it was interesting. We do get more people in, in the 2010 version, uh, but we still also see the the uh, evolution changing uh, out in space, yeah, where where there's nobody to know about it. Yeah, and it's 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 very difficult to you know to predict. You know, obviously, no, no, no one can. But the, you know, the possibilities are just so, so broad for, you know, Homo sapiens. You know, mm-hmm. if you, anyone, anyone that could try to guess out a million years of what will we be like in a million years, a hundred thousand, just work your way backwards. You, you, you can't even get to a hundred years. Yeah. You can't even get to. You can't even get to two hundred years. <laughs> rationally, you can't. Yeah. I mean, now, well, no, and and. Um, you know we've we've made so many discoveries over the last 100 years that that and those lead to others and those to others. Yeah. So that uh, you're you know you're you're looking at exponential numbers of possibilities even 200 years out. Exactly. Now when you go to 500 and 500 or a thousand and those those technological advances and those discoveries begin to compound on each other, there's honestly there's no way. Hmm. That you can tell what we're going to be like, and anyone that can make that prediction is. is <laughs> well, the the thing so, is that so, yeah, but, yeah, there are and, science fiction and, authors who are trying to do that right now. <clears throat> science fiction authors well, are trying to do that right now. Yeah. So it, there, ought to, there, ought to be a form, there ought to there should be a formula that you could construct <laughs> that would that would kind of would kind of predict not where we'll be. But how many possible um, places we could be in a thousand years? Yeah, yeah. It, based it, based on based on the rate of discovery. Yeah, and you know the rate of discovery is still enormous. Yeah, it's incredible. I can, I can, it's, it's, I can only hope that you know uh, we as a, as a species actually take the direction of uh, Star Trek. And I and I do hope that you know the mm-hmm. ideal. Of Star Trek actually does flourish and, and happen um, because yeah, it, you know what? uniformity. You know, there's still issues, yeah. obviously. We're still flawed. Yeah. And, yeah, and I think I think that's a great and a noble thought. But the reality is that we could, you know, we could be either the Federation or we could be Klingons. <laughs> Which was the point, you know? <laughs> it, mm-hmm. It's you know, mm-hmm. uh, we asked we could be the Klingons. Right now, mm-hmm. actually, years before, and right now, I would say we are probably more like Klingons, and maybe that's why we mm-hmm. understand them, and why they, we say, hey, we want to see more Klingons because we understand them. Yeah, maybe we'll be something much worse. You never, you never can tell, or something much better. You just never know. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but from, but from, I, I think from our perspective right now, you know, I think. You know, if you look out ten or ten or fifteen years, twenty years is is a is fairly safe, maybe. But uh, <laughs> you, you, you just can't help yeah. but think that you know what we need at the end of a twenty-year period or thirty-year period is going to be 
you know, some kind of global thinking that's that we just don't share as a species now. We don't have a set of the, those mores that can carry us forward effectively. Yeah. It's just I gone. Agree. It's, it's, it's never been developed. None of our major religions can help us over the next thirty or forty years. I don't. No, I don't, we. I, I think we push a lot of them back. Yeah, I see them taking a, a back seat to us at yeah. this point. Yeah, conceptually they just don't have the right they don't have the right um muscle. <laughs> yeah. They don't think. They don't think it's the right they're the right tools. Uh, so Yeah. Yeah, it's just uh you know, these are all just really uh interesting ideas and ideals that we we need to try to as authors. Um hopefully can then think and wrap our heads around and, and maybe come up with something. But, you know, um until then we're stuck with <laughs> we're stuck with our uh species the way it is. Mhm. Uh, That's very true. We are we're stuck with what we have right now. Yeah. Yep. But you know, as long as we have you know, free and open minded thinking people uh, which, you know, I think that a lot of writers are um, even though they they try to you know they may have their own agenda and they want to, it's like well I want you to read what I what I believe in, but um, it comes down to that at least we're we're expanding and thinking about these things, and uh, and and you look what look what you've done. So yeah, you've you've broadened your ideas and and are thinking beyond what uh, you know most people will. <laughs> Who watch a lot of? Uh, I'm not going to get into certain television shows. Are stuck watching, and don't really expand their thought to anything else. Which, of course, is none of my one of my listeners are that way, by the way. So, <laughs> my listeners are open-minded, free-thinking individuals, all twelve thousand of them, <laughs> and uh, and they like to to hear about authors like you. And that's why I said that, you know, based on, on what I saw of your writing, it said it has an interesting idea. Obviously, anything science fiction, I, of course, grab a hold of and say, I think you need to be on the show. But, um, because, again, that's where my target market is. Um, but that you have thought about these things and trying to do something in the form of writing it. So we salute you. Well, I hope I hope so. Yeah, you know, I hope so. I, you know, you know, I like to think that you know a few of my readers will, you know, certainly certainly think about some of the concepts in there and maybe, you know, broaden their broaden their awareness um, about how we relate to uh, you know uh, uh, to to other species uh, using the you know the events in the book as a mirror, um, you know, about how we treat uh, you know both ourselves and and the species around us. Oh uh, well, yeah. <clears throat> Yeah. yeah, it's just uh, the yeah, that's a whole other ball of worms. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, it just got me into thinking some things I've been noticing lately, and that our uh, our our young people's um, uh, uh, things that they look up to, aspire to be, is is jaded and twisted in my mind. So uh, it's a whole other subject, but uh, I'm not quite sure how they got that. 
got to mm-hmm. that point. Um, but you know, all I can do is is try to do uh, to get as many uh, authors out there as, as as information and and being able to get you guys in front of uh, more people to read about you, which is the point. Which is the point of the show is to you know obviously introduce you to new readers. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to end this conversation with one critical question I always ask at the end, which drives people <laughs> crazy. Okay. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> now that you've successfully slain the dragon, how will you celebrate? <laughs> oh, how will I celebrate? Well, okay, we need to look at that in a little greater detail. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I I don't I don't honestly feel feel I don't I don't feel feel like I've uh, you know slayed slayed much of anything you know. Okay. Uh, I might have uh, you know I might have made a little you know, a little foray might have had a little a little encounter a little a little battle maybe but you know certainly nothing that would you know like yet I guess so the first part part of the question can't apply to the second. Okay. So in other words, people, he's living to fight it. He's living another day to fight. So <laughs> he's got other stories, and, and obviously you got expanded uh, into your fourth book that we're looking forward to at the end of this year. And we'll have to have you on again uh, after maybe after the beginning of the year when you, you know, settle down and have your first, you know, this next book up and going, and you, you want to talk about the one after that. So we'll we'll see what you're doing then. Okay. Okay, well, thanks very much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. No, I know. It's, and it's, it's, this is a good conversation, and I enjoy talking to people who have uh, a lot a lot of cool things to sit, talk, talk about and say. So I appreciate your time. Oh, you're quite welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that was David Coy, and so we're just really thrilled to have talked to him. That's, you guys obviously need to get you know, click on Facebook. Uh, on the chat below there and also uh, the Amazon pages and uh, and find out more about his works because and, and of course if you if you Google him he's a David Coy author because uh, there's, a lot, there's a few David Coys and uh, under Goodreads you'll find it uh, his information um, virtual book tour cafe of course I had him on uh, my blog uh, last week, so you can go back a few and, and be able to, to read some things about him. Um, things from his media kit that I uh, included on there. Um, I'm thinking about going back and actually adding some of the guest blog topics that he had given in here. That way uh, you guys can see some more, and maybe um, one of his, I think actually I already put one of the excerpts in there. I usually do. If you guys want to know what's coming up here, uh, and some people, if there's science fiction and fantasy, uh, if I have those kind of people on, uh, of course, I, I don't just have science fiction and fantasy people on. Uh, there are authors on. I also have um, I have uh, some other people coming on. I've obviously got movie directors and movie companies that like to, or actors that come on, and, and of course, cosplay uh, ladies that love to uh, create characters for all the fanboys out there. And so, 
don't just stick with authors, obviously. It's just, I, I like to uh, expand the breadth of, of pop culture that we like and love so much, um, which is why I called the, the you know, KWAD radio is, is, is in business to be a pop culture type of uh, radio station. And uh, getting out people, you know, models and, and, and people, who creative people, um, script writers, directors. So if you're in that, that area and you want to be interviewed by me, um, definitely drop me a line on Blog Talk Radio or on my Facebook page. Obviously, pa- Facebook is PJ. That's my uh, writer's name, PJ.Holstrand. And if you don't have two T's in there, you're never going to find me. So it's H-U-L-T-S-T-R-A-N-D. So if you want to be one of my guests for one of my shows, I do a couple of them a week usually. Um, I'm not going to do a show, typical show, uh, the rest of this week because I'm going to be at CopperCon this weekend. Uh, I'm doing a couple panels as well as I'm moderating um, Ellie Modisette, and uh, I've interviewed him before, I think back in February, March of this year. Fascinating, fascinating science, sci-fi fantasy writer. Um, we talked about some of the things that, that uh, David and I just talked about. And, um, you know, he talks about slushing. Of course, he has a world build, so we talk about world building a lot. But um, he's got uh, several, uh, I'm not sure if you know, he has 60 books that he's written all himself. Um, some of them are standalones, but quite a few of them are actually real uh, you know, series that he's carried through. Um, more than three books in, in these series, so definitely, you know, if you haven't looked them up, you need to do that now and, and find out. And if you are in Arizona and want to know more more about CopperCon, you go to cop uh, obviously on the website coppercon.org. That's coppercon.org. C O P P E R C O N. dot O R G. And Find out about who's uh, going to be there this weekend. Got a lot of great, uh, yeah, a couple of great authors. Obviously, we have uh, Jennifer Robertson. She's a longtime friend of mine, a uh, lot of friend of mine. I've known since all uh, 23 years that I've been in uh, going to the fan conventions. I've, uh, you know, I said gummed on her when it comes to convention, and uh, she was a pro back then, and. Uh, I've got almost all her books. I'm staring at right now on my bookshelf that were signed by her. So uh, she's obviously a, a long time. Uh, I'm a long time fan of her works, and just because I get actually interview her in person at the con. So hey, how cool is that? Um, I will be. We'll be taping uh, these uh, interviews. Uh, God willing, of course. <laughs> that every, all the technology works right, and uh, we're putting that up on KWAD Radio's uh, uh, YouTube channel uh, or WAD Media's YouTube channel, so that way uh, everybody can find out more about these different authors and and uh, obviously the interviews that I will be having with them, actually in person. That's going to be obviously. I, I don't know about you, but I'm scared. So. <laughs> And one thing to do, and I do interviews in person all the time now. Uh, and of course, I would do interviews on radio. Uh, that's 
to do that in front of video, um, I mean, if I'm here, I can sit here and pet my cat and I can, you know, drink my water if I need to drink my water. But if you're if you're in front of a videotape and we've got one hour and they don't have an hour and a half, uh, one hour to actually talk to these people. So um, you got to keep it clean and crisp. And of course, you know, you got need to look good and all that for the camera, which is good. that's a scary part right there. Uh, so those who know me, it's like, oh man, you know, uh, they they. They feel for me. Think they, they keep telling me, "Oh, you're going to do fine." Um, but you know, again, I start with some base questions, and then and then I expand uh, based on whatever the author is saying. And and I've had live interviews with you know uh, uh, a lot of some of the real like real good names. And I had uh, Terry. Of course, one of my uh, I'm really happy about uh, Terry Brooks. I actually was able to do a personal interview with him. And wing it by the save my pants um, at the Phoenix Comic Con in May. So, I you know I guess I shouldn't be so worried if I can if I can <laughs> if I can interview Terry Brooks, uh, who I, I've thought of highly uh, for geez since I was in college. Um, that's has been a good thirty years. So, if I can interview him and and do a decent enough job. Uh, I think I could probably handle handle Lee and and obviously handle Jennifer. So you know I shouldn't worry so much, but you know that's just way way we are as humans. We worry about our 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 foibles and worry about our our strengths and weaknesses and uh, not so much our strengths. We like to actually parade those out in front of everybody, but. Uh, you know, we often get worried about some things we do, and uh, you know, I try often try not to step on too many people's toes uh, as I can. I know some people think, "Oh, you've got to be kidding me," but I, I do try not to. Um, if they put their toes there and I stomp on them, hey, you know what? I can't help that. <laughs> it's just a personal issue. So. <laughs> So I'm looking forward to this weekend, CopperCon. If you guys are anywhere near Mesa or or in Phoenix area at all, you should come on over to Mesa and, and have some fun with us because it's going to be really cool. We've got some great guests coming, and we've and we've got some uh, new ideas and uh, trying some new things. You know, we've got some game stuff, and and, and we got uh, two days of of uh, independent films from my good friend and and fellow author uh, Hal Alshell. And so he's going to be bringing some of the, some of the very best of the independent films in Arizona and the area. So I'm excited because actually this time, since I'm not going to be chair, chairman of the board, of the con, yay! I'm not the chairman of the con this time. Uh, I can actually sit down and actually enjoy uh, walking in and watching the movies and uh, watching uh, Barry Bard uh, at the movies, finding out what's coming up in, in film. So. I, you know, I think it's going to be an awesome weekend because I don't have to, other than interviewing people, um, I'm there to be a participant. So it's, uh, it, it, I love doing that. I don't have to actually do any job there. I am so relieved, I can't tell you. So, uh, and they're done that. Uh, we're doing more publicity, obviously, for Leprechaun for next year, and that's the only job I'm really going to do for the comms at this point. Um that with that, I'm going to say I am see what else got coming up for next week. 
Obviously, the big thing is Capricorn, and for those who went to or going to the romance novel convention in Las Vegas, hi girls, hi girls, and obviously um, a big shout out for Jimmy Thomas, too is uh, is the one who puts together that awesome, awesome convention that uh, uh, he's hosting himself. Um, if anybody can do it, man, he's got a lot, lot on his shoulders. But you know what? He's got broad shoulders, and man, does he have broad shoulders. So, if you're going to be in Las Vegas at all, you guys need to get over there and 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 check out the uh, Iron Convention, this romance novel convention. Um, Jimmy, of course, has been on the several thousand uh, book covers for romance novels, and he's the top model. I had him on uh, our show uh, a couple months ago. Yeah, it was in June. So go back and and take a listen to that one because uh, uh, that was a well-received. Obviously, a lot of women were listening on that one. (laughs) And Jimmy, he's just awesome with with business. Uh, He's not only a uh, nice-looking man, but he's also really got a great head on his shoulders for business. Got to respect that. I know I do. So um, I got that going on. This weekend, and see my next. Uh, so I will have um, probably sometime. I'm going to be sitting down. I'll be sitting down at the Leprechaun uh, table, and we'll probably be interviewing uh, Hal also uh, because I owe him another one. I kind of messed up the interview we had. Sorry, Hal. I messed up the interview we had in person at Phoenix Comic Con, and that wasn't live because we couldn't get a clear connection. Um, and I still owe, uh, well, she's not going to be there, so I owe one other person uh, interview, so I'll probably be doing those uh, during the weekend and then popping those up, uh, so that way you guys can enjoy them as well. And, of course, as soon as we get the, t- the video uh, works done, it'll be next week sometime, uh, we'll start popping those in and uh, informing everyone. I know we're almost out of time. Um, next show that I have scheduled because I, I I'm not physically scheduling any any show for uh the rest of this week because of um, uh, you know the sheer amount of work I have on my plate right now between uh at Capricorn. And uh, we've got Ron Tobin at on the fifteenth, same time. It's a Thursday, that's next Thursday, August fifteenth, five thirty, uh, same bat time, fake bat channel. Um, and that's, uh, I think, probably all I've got in for next week because I'll be popping into new uh, interviews that we had that weren't live at this particular Kafka uh, Con. So with that, you guys have a great week. And we only have three, three minutes to spare, so I might actually give you guys some music. Until then, uh, you guys have a great night. And have fun this weekend. This is Patty Holstrand, KWOD Radio, signing out.